Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, the Hamilton V8 supercar race. Will it be the last time New Zealand hosts a round? The all-black halfback Jimmy Cowan tells us why he's off to England. We talk to former Crusader, now Hurricanes midfielder Tim Bateman, who has the job of marking Dan Carter in his 100th Super Rugby game. We mark 100 days to go to the London Olympics. And Wellington triathlete Kate McElroy hopes she can finally make it to an Olympics after injury robbed her of the opportunity of competing in Beijing. This weekend's Hamilton 400 could be the last V8 supercar race held in New Zealand. Last September, the Hamilton City Council chose to opt out of the race with two years to run on a seven-year contract because of the financial cost. But New Zealand Holden driver Fabian Coulthard, who sits ninth overall in this year's Drivers' Championship, is confident the event will return here. Joe Porter spoke to Coulthard about the future of V8 supercars in this country and his goals for 2012. If you had sat down with me this time last year and said you're going to be with a new team, you're going to have a new engineer and a new car and you're going to be sitting in the top 10, I would have uh, been pretty happy. So, yeah, look, you know, to be inside the top 10 in V8 supercars at any time is a, a good achievement, but, you know, the goal is to win, so we've got a little bit of work to do. Yeah, and following in the footsteps of, of the great Jason Richards. Yeah, look, it's, um, you know, that's a, a sad, you know, state of affair, you know, obviously... What what went through, you know, what the family went through, what the f- friends went through over the, over the you know the past couple of years is is pretty bad. But you know, Brad Jones has you know paid tribute to Jason and put a JR star on the B pillar of the car, and you know I make sp- special effort to you know to look at it and remember the bloke that he was every time I hop in the car. And does that give you, I guess, added inspiration? Of course, you know, obviously, um, you know, we try and you know achieve what Jason was unable to achieve. You know, he was very successful in V8 supercars, but you know, he had a lot more to offer. So, um, you know, hopefully, we can provide that. It's early-ish in the season, like you say, you're in the top ten new team. What are the goals from here? Look, I've um, said every year I've been in V8 supercars. I'd like to win a race. You know, if you can win a race, it's um, you know, it's a pretty good achievement. But you know, I don't want to just stop there and just win one. I want to continue to win. So. You know, the goal is obviously to win the championship eventually. Um, it's not going to be easy, but you know, given the right people around me, being in the right team, you know, I think it's an achievable goal. And are you happy with the, the pace of the car? Yeah, you know, so far so good. Obviously, we've only done a couple of rounds, um, so I think you know, like I said, to be in the ten is you know, it's quite a good achievement, and you know, we, we can still make the car a lot better than what it is. So you know, that's inspiring for me. And realistic chances of catching the win cups and the likes. Yeah, look, you know, the, the biggest thing they've got against us is, you know, they've been in the same team for multiple years where, you know, every two years in Fiat Supercars I've been on the move. So, you know, I've got my head around the car, you know, last year at um, Walkinshaw Racing, then I'm on the move again. So you, you've got to learn your engineer and things like that where they've worked over the years and they've built up that continuity within each other. And I think that's the, um, the biggest advantage they've got over us at the moment. 
And what about your own driving form? Do you think you've found a new level of maturity at this new team? I think so. You know, obviously the the two races um, that I won at you know Ruapuna last weekend um, obviously has re- restored my confidence and you know and my belief. I always knew that I could win races, um, but it's nice to be able to say that I won a race last week rather than five years ago. And obviously, uh, it's going to be the last time the event is held in, in Hamilton. And just a few of your thoughts and words on you know the last race in Hamilton. I think it's pretty sad, really. You know, obviously, um, the biggest thing is, you know, this may be the last race that the New Zealand public see a V8 supercar, which you know, I think it's important that we race V8 supercars in New Zealand. Obviously, there's myself, um, Van Gisbergen and Murph. So I think it's important that, you know, the Kiwi people have someone to follow. And if it doesn't get to come back to New Zealand, then it's going to make that, you know, a little bit harder to, to do. But... You know, V8 supercars aren't silly, and I think you know there may be a race here in the future. You know, it may not be next year, maybe the year after that. But I think it's important to keep the momentum going and have one back here in 2013. Being born and bred just up the road from Hamilton, what particularly was it about that race that that you really liked in particular? Any little nuances that were different from Australia that made it a really Kiwi event, one that you looked forward to? Oh, well, any time I get to race at home, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy about. So, the the track itself. You know, the, the iconic parts, the chicane out the back, you know, obviously you've got to get through there as quick as you can, but there's a fine line from, you know, damaging the car and the suspension to, you know, to being fast, you know, so that in itself, you know, makes the track exciting, you know, if you slow through there, you slow through the rest of the lap, so you've got to get that part right. And what about the crowd and the setup down there? Yeah, well, you know, V8 fans in general, you know, not just Kiwi fans, but V8 fans are very passionate. Um, and they love to, you know, eat, breathe and smell a V8 supercar and, you know, it provides that at Hamilton. You know, the fans get close to the action, close to the cars. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's just nice to race on home soil. Hamilton's thrown up some pretty decent results for Kiwis in the last sort of half a decade. Do you think that the New Zealand drivers do lift a little bit for this event? Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously you get, the, you get the sound of the crowd, you know. You mightn't be able to hear them with your helmet on and the engine going, but you can definitely see them. And... You know, you just know when you come home, you know, there's all the Kiwis there, they support you, they back you 100% and, you know, they've got somebody to follow. You're gunning for a podium spot this weekend? Yeah, look, you know, I, I aim for every race is to go out and win it, so I don't want to make up the numbers. Um, but look, you know, it's all about how we go on Friday. If the car's close or somewhere near the window and, you know, it's fast from the get-go, then, you know, you're generally in for a good weekend. Who else do you think could be threats down this weekend in Hamilton? Well, if you go on recent form, you know, the guys at FPR have been very strong from the start of the year, which, you know, they normally come on towards the end of the year. But, you know, this year they've obviously done their homework in the off-season and, you know, provided a, produced a pretty good car and I think they'll be, you know, some of the tough ones to beat. Is it a more open field this year than last in terms of the competition and, and the potential for anyone to win? Yeah, I think so. Um, sometimes with, you know, the, the introduction of the soft tyre at more events and, you know, not having a full soft tyre event, having a mixed event, so you can kind of work of strategy and things like that. So I'm not 100% sure how it's going to go, but you know, I think it'll be a, it's a bit more of a level playing field and gives, you know, sometimes the opportunity of people that probably wouldn't normally win to give them a chance. Does the track suit your style of driving? I've always gone well here, um, so I think, you know, a track you've gone well at, you generally go, you know, good at, or a track you like. So yeah, it's like anything you know once you put the helmet on and you know you're strapped in all you want to do is go fast to be the fastest so looking forward to getting out there and like you say uh potentially the last race we see in new zealand for at least the immediate future so looking to go out with a bang yeah look i'd be uh quite happy to take the mark porter trophy home do you think it is possible that it will come back to new zealand 
it's a it's a given. You know what I mean? I I don't 100% know if it will or it won't. You know, I've heard talks that you know it may end up at Pukekohe, but you know there's going to have to be some massive changes made to Pukekohe to meet safety requirements and standards. Um, but who knows? You know, hopefully we we're back here in 2013. Do you think Auckland would be the likely venue for a race if it were to be held in New Zealand again? I think it needs to be in a major city. Um, obviously, the biggest thing is being able to provide accommodation, infrastructure, and things like that for people to actually come to the event and stay and be close by. You know, if you go to a, a slightly regional town, you're not going to have that, you know, that ability to do that. Um, so you just have to, you know, hopefully it comes to a major city and you know we can provide the action. That's V8 supercar driver Fabian Coulthard talking to Joe Porter. The All Blacks halfback Jimmy Cowan has signed with the English club Gloucester and will move to Britain in October, but he's got one or two goals he wants to achieve before departing. Cowan's played 51 tests for the All Blacks since making his debut in 2004, but in 2008 his test career was thrown into doubt over drinking issues. The Highlanders stalwart, who recently played his 100th game for the franchise, has dropped down the pecking order this season relegated to the reserves with coach Jamie Joseph preferring Aaron Smith for the number nine jersey. Cowan's played 94 matches for Southland and he hopes to bring up his 100th game for the Stags before he leaves. He says his departure will hardly come as a surprise. Well, it was the worst keep secret out there on that. Yeah, obviously exciting but um, you know, there's, there's a job to be done here and it's not not until October until I leave, so um, you know, I've still got a few campaigns to get under my belt before, before deciding to leave. So um, obviously you know, it's going to be a great chance for me to get over there and experience a different, uh, different kind of rugby, and um, it's something I'm really excited about. But as I said, is, you know, I've got to concentrate um, here uh, first and foremost, and then worry about, worry about that as the time comes. Why Gloucester? Have you got connections there at all? Or just... oh, I, obviously I had a few offers on the table, but um, they really appealed to me. Um, yeah, they're a very passionate club, um, very parochial um, by my understanding and yeah, just it sort of reminded me of my roots back home and it's the kind of rugby that I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, I've always wanted to go there and experience Heineken, Heineken Cup level and, and so forth. So um, yeah, the brand I, I was looking for is, is a game that you know, I'm suited to and I think this team best suits me. Hard decision though? Not really, no. Um, I briefed the, uh, the whole squad. Um, yeah, as, as I said, there's a, there's a lot been floating around, so they're well aware of my, my movements and you know, I've kept them, kept them up to date. So, um, no, they're all very supportive. Um, I think everyone comes to, to a stage in their career where they, where they know the time's right to leave, and, um, and I feel that within myself. Um, you know, I've, you know, I've come to a stage now where um, you know, I'm ready to move on in my career. You know, I'm a great believer in you know, one chapter closes and another one opens, so... Um, yeah, it's just a great chance to experience another chapter in my life now and the beauty about it is, is New Zealand rugby is in a, um, in a great state at the moment with, with the, the young group coming through and uh, yeah, I'll be watching um, watching fondly um, um, abroad and um, yeah, watching these guys' movements um, building up to the next World Cup, so yeah, I wish them well. Highlights? Uh, oh, there's been many highlights. Um, uh, yeah, it's very... Uh, proud moment um, representing my country and, and back in 2004 um, receiving my 50th test uh, test cap was also another fond memory but just on that note you know, I'd like to thank uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union who, you know, who really stood by me um, you know, I had a tough time in my career in 2008 and uh, that's something I'll never forget and, and um, something I'm very thankful for so um, it was a hard lesson um, you know, it's a lesson I learnt and uh, 
yeah, if I didn't make the mistake, I would have never learnt. So that's the way I look at it. How hard is it going to be saying goodbye <laughs> to these guys come the end of the season? Oh, it'll be tough, mate. Uh, you know, I've given you know ten years service uh, to to a franchise, and um, but as I said, it's it's part and parcel of the game. Uh, it's the way the professional game goes now. Like people come in and people go, so um, you just got to accept it and we'll move on. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The All Blacks' first five, Dan Carter, will play his 100th Super Rugby game at second five when he takes the field against the Hurricanes in Wellington on Saturday night. Two other Crusaders will also bring up milestones with flanker George Whitelock playing his 50th Super Rugby match, as will prop Owen Franks if he comes off the bench. The match will be a test of just how far the Hurricanes have come this season. Both sides have four wins each, with the Crusaders only a point behind the Hurricanes in fourth place in the New Zealand Conference. The man whose job it is to mark Carter in Saturday night's match is someone who knows a lot about him, having played alongside him for several years. The Hurricanes' second five, Tim Bateman, played outside Carter during his time with the Crusaders from 2007 to 2010 before heading to Japan. Bateman makes no secret of the fact that this is a game he's been looking forward to. Just really excited, to be honest. Um, it was sort of marked at the start of the year, you know, one of the ones I was really looking forward to. Um, not much changes, to be honest, like each week. You, know, you have the same sort of preparation, the same sort of analysis goes into each team, but I think, you know, at the back of my mind this week, I'll be... Um, yeah, pretty excited. There is something different about it, isn't there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, anyone that's played against the side that they played for for a long time, um, with a lot of friends still there, is um, you have it. It's, it's just something a different feeling. But um, it does, as I say, it doesn't change too much. Um, you want to prepare well every week, and so I still want to prepare well this week. So hopefully, it um, comes comes right Saturday night. Who do you still have a fair bit of contact with? Um, well, Willie Hines, the reserve halfback, he's actually um, engaged to my sister. Um, and so I you know, obviously see him a lot. They've got um, a wee girl that's the same age as my wee girl, and so we hang out together quite a bit. But yeah, quite a few of the boys. Um, I, would have, I think there'll be a few stray elbows and stuff going on at the bottom of the rucks. So it would be good, good fun. So, I mean, it was only 18 months ago that I was there, but it does seem like a long time. And yeah, I'm looking forward to playing, definitely. And you'll be marking Dan Carter. Yeah, I think they will go with that, that same combat. It seemed to work quite well from the left foot, right foot combination of Dan and uh, Tom Taylor. Um, but, you know, we play, we've played together for a long time. It would be strange being on the opposite side of each other. But um, you know, he's a class player. They've got class players right, right through their side. And, um, yeah, we'll have to shut them down, I suppose. How much of an insight does it give you, having played alongside him for, for quite some time? Yeah, it would be, it would be a, a little bit, I think. Um, but I think that's, that, that's probably similar to a lot of people. In a lot of, like you play together in age group sides, and All Blacks play together a lot, and team people seem to be moving around quite a bit throughout throughout New Zealand. I think every week, the New Zealand, I think New Zealand sides are just inherently tough to play, and um, because of that reason, everyone sort of knows each other a wee bit more, and physicality level steps up a little bit. Um, but uh, in terms of knowing him specifically, I think they're a smart enough side to to be able to adapt to situations. So. Um, I don't think you can go into a game with too many preconceived ideas. There was a fair bit of kicking in that Crusaders-Stormers game, maybe mm. not too unusual for a Crusaders game. Do you think there'll be that much again this week, or they might take a, a di- slightly different approach? That worked for them last week. That doesn't mean that they'll bring it in again. Um, I think if they don't, I, we've got a 
a quality back three that like to bring the ball back. Um, that might play into their hands even more. They want, might want us to bring the ball back and then want to look to counteract that ruck, um, which they do really well. I think that's an area we'll have to get right. Um, put a bit of focus on this week is, is, our, is our ruck defence. They do like to pull, put numbers in there, but once, once again, if they do put numbers in and we can get the ball back, then there's space somewhere else. So um, it's going to be a matter of just yeah, finding out early in the game what their tactics are. Um, if they are kicking, then what we need to do about that. But if they're not, then having the plan to go there. So, yeah, not pulling all these in one basket, I think, is the way to go there. Now, you've come <coughs> off the, the bye week. Uh, has it come at a good time for the Hurricanes? I, I think so, definitely. Um, it's, uh, it seems to be sort of nicely in the middle of the season. Um, it's been a great freshen up. There's you know, a few bruised bodies floating around after that Sharks game and not not from the fight, just from the game itself. But uh, I think it was a good time. Just a bit of a mental refresh, a bit of physical refresh. And you know, looking at the enthusiasm levels this morning, it seems to have come at a nice time, yeah. And you got away for a bit of a break. I did. We went over to Rarotonga. Um, my older brother got married over there, so we were over there for a few days with, the, with my family. It was, it was really good, actually. She was an Argentinian girl as well, and so her family came over from Argentina, and that was a really nice week. Do you feel as though you've settled in here at the Hurricanes, or do you... St- how much of a hangover, a crusader is there in you? Uh, no, I definitely feel like I've settled in. The boys have been great. I mean, it's a really, it really is, I don't know everyone's saying it, but it, it really is a great bunch of guys, really enthusiastic, um, really willing to work hard for each other and, and you know, want to, wanting to prove something, you know, sort of win respect from people. Um, and I think at the moment we're sort of doing that, but that's not that's not enough for us at the moment. We've got high expectations of, our, of ourselves and... Uh, yeah, hopefully we can we can meet those. And I suppose the focus too will be sort of switching back on after after that bye week. It can have a bit of a an effect, can it, on some teams? Yeah, definitely. I think it can. Um, I think I, I hope I'd like to think that we're professional enough to be able to step up um, each week. Um, but you know, we can't wait. We'll, we'll see Saturday night and a home game too, which makes it I suppose always a little easier if you're playing the Crusaders. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> Probably played more games at, at their home ground, but um, I think the boys will be really wanting to, to give our, our fans something to cheer about. Um, we haven't performed as well as we'd like to probably at home this far, so um, I really hope we can turn it off on this Saturday night. I was talking to Hurricanes midfield back, Tim Bateman. Wednesday marked the 100-day countdown to this year's London Olympics. The 2012 Games will feature 26 sports, broken down into 39 disciplines, with New Zealanders represented in 16 of them. Nicola Grigg reports. The eyes of the world will be on London on the 27th of July for the opening ceremony of the London 2012 Olympic Games. At that ceremony, 200 New Zealand athletes and 100 support staff will fly the flag in the parade of athletes. New Zealand sending the 18th largest team to these games and with 100 days to go, Chef de Mission Dave Curry says he's never seen a host city better prepared than London. And he says the New Zealand athletes are also making sure they'll be ready. No, our planning's in, uh, in good shape. Individual sports, we think, uh, are going well. London are ready to receive us, and not only ready to receive us, we're excited about it. And uh, you know, venues are fantastic. The, the population of London uh, are keen for it all to happen. And I think we'll look back post-London and think this was a pretty special game, really. Down in Dunedin, it's all about grinding up and down the hills for road and track cyclist Alison Shanks as she looks to build her endurance and core strength in these final months. The full Olympic squad will be named on April the 26th and then it will head to the United States and France for pre-Olympic competitions. Alison Shanks says from now, the pressure is on. 
It's like a dripping tap, and it's kind of been dripping for like the last three years, you know. The Olympic prep didn't just start last month. It's been three years in the making, and it's always on your mind. And I suppose once you get to that, um, into the actual Olympic village, that's maybe when, you know, the, the tap stops dripping and actually starts running. Bike NZ's High Performance Director Mark Elliott says they've targeted four medals this year. He says it's a lofty but achievable goal consider over the, the history of the sport, New Zealand's only ever had four Olympic medals in its history. It's, um, we're looking to double the numbers um, at this Olympiad. We've had a number of athletes who are currently ranked top three in the world, and currently we've got about uh, nine programs that have um, got athletes who have been um, top three in the world. So you, know, you go right through from our men's pursuit team through to our, um, uh, our BMX riders. We'll be looking at um, you know, all of those guys being in contention for medals in London in July. Mark Elliott's confidence is shared by Dave Curry, who says the New Zealand athletes are well positioned for medal contention. And also got a significant number of athletes who are in the top two or three in the world. And there's no great secret, if you're not performing in the top two or three in the world a year out from the Games, then it's unlikely you're going to get a podium finish. And we've got significantly more athletes doing that than we've had in the past. So the expectation is that the team will do uh, will do very well. Dave Curry says the Olympic Committee will meet all the athletes individually in the coming weeks to finalise their needs in London. That's Nicola Grigg reporting. And the Wellington athlete Kate McElroy seems finally set to make it to an Olympic Games. She's this week been named in the New Zealand Triathlon Team for London along with the Women's World Number no. 2, Andrea Hewitt, and double Olympic medalist Bevan Doherty and Chris Gemmell, who are both in the men's event. Ryan Sissons and Nikki Samuels are also likely to compete but have to wait for confirmation that New Zealand can enter three men and three women. New Zealand must be ranked inside the world's top eight nations come the end of May for that to happen. McElroy gained selection despite a disappointing 27th place in the opening round of the World Series in Sydney last weekend. Four years ago she qualified for the Beijing Olympics as a 3,000 metre steeplechase runner only for an Achilles injury to force her out. She spoke to Richard Wayne about the trials and tribulations she's had to face in getting to the Games. It's been uh, um, it's always stressful, you know, obviously didn't qualify the first time round, so it's um, wanted to try and nail Sydney and get myself on the team. Um, so, yeah, really relieved to finally be in there. Do you, do you think we might make the three in each category, the men's and the women's? Yeah, I do, I do. I think we're pretty safe now, actually, but obviously it doesn't get confirmed till end of May, so things have to drastically go wrong for us to not get the three spots, so I think we'll be fine. What, what would have to go wrong? I mean, how, how do they do that? Um, probably have no one racing the next few races, right. no New Zealanders at all. But I think as long as there's some New Zealanders in the start line, we finish in the top half of the field, then I think we should finish in the top eight nations. Are you going to be racing right up till the Olympics? Yep, yep, I'm aiming to race Madrid end of May and then Kitzbühel and then Hamburg, which is three weeks before the Olympics. Cool. Yeah, then the Olympics and then yep. see what happens after that. It's actually quite good in a way that the um, triathlon races keep on going right through this period. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously there's a whole chunk of athletes that don't make the Olympics, so there's still this, the series still goes on and there's still an eventual winner of the series, so... Um, yeah, if you can race, if you're going to the Olympics and they fit in with your schedule, then it works out, fits perfectly. Because um, I remember Bevan Doherty saying how he, he wasn't, you know, he was hoping just to go on his past um, record because he didn't want to peak at this time, he needs to peak for the Olympics. So, in a way, it's sort of a, t- a two edged sword there. Yeah, Charlie, I mean, I think, you know, 
now that we've been selected you can be a little bit more picky with the races that you do do in the lead up and I think there's a, there is that fine balance of being race fit and not overdoing it so um, you know, most of us sort of we've been racing enough now to know what works for you and everyone will tailor it to suit them so yeah I definitely want to have a few more races before before London for sure. What's the aim? What's the aim once you get to London? I mean, what's your sort of goals for the Olympics? I want to win a medal. Um, I'm not going there to make up numbers and I think my results last year showed that um, it's possible, um, especially finishing my last race in Japan third. Um, just shows that you know at least I can get onto the podium and see that's realistic. So that's what I'll definitely be aiming for. What do you have to improve to to make that podium? Um, at the moment, it's my run. I've had to get my swimming and biking stronger since I started doing triathlon, and my running has lacked a little bit. So that will be my main focus between now and London. I know it's there. Obviously, it's my background. So it's just a matter of um, putting a few miles in my legs and and stringing it all together after the swim and the bike. How do you improve as a runner for triathlon? Uh, it's, it's funny, it's been, a, it's been harder than I ever thought it would. I think I've had to learn how to bike first, because um, running off the bike is so different to pure running, and um, it's probably taken until now to get the strength in my legs to be able to actually run well off the bike. Yeah, so now I can actually focus on my running and getting the speed back that I used to. So I read how Andrea um, was really focusing also on improving her running and over the last couple of years she's like shaved, geez, I think it might have been like a minute off her times, which is taking her from where she was to you know where she is now. Yeah, exactly. I think with me coming in to the sport at a different angle, I've run fast before, so I know I've got the ability there to do it and it's nice to know that I've got, I have got the legs. So it's a matter of, um, as I said, just putting a bit more emphasis on it now and being smart with how I train for it. Um, without compromising my swim and bike at the same time. It's, you know, with triathlon, it's that balance with all three sports and it's, it's not easy, but, um, you know, everyone has their own magic formula and hopefully I've got mine worked out. Do you think it's uh, feasible that New Zealand might get, you know, more than one medal in each category? I mean, is that possible? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy. Triathlon these days, it's competitive and everyone's getting better and faster each race, it seems, and each season so but I think obviously Andrea's performing so consistently that you know she's really got a high hope of a medal and I think any one of us with the potentials there it's just a matter of having everything fall into place in the day. Would there be some team aspect if that was the case where it appeared that you know you guys were all in contention maybe you know two of you say would, would there be any team tactics or is it a totally individual uh, sport in that respect? We, are, we have been chosen as individuals yeah. but I think if if the situation happened and one or two of us had a bad swim, then and we were, we came out of the swim together, then we would work together. Yeah, so you'd be um, able to draft like in a, on a on the on the bike side. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all pretty strong cyclists, so you know we could work together and do whatever we had to do. But um, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And you're allowed to, aren't you? There's no rules against it, like in Formula One or anything, are there? No, 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 no not at all. No, no rules whatsoever. It's intriguing, really. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose every country is going to want to look after. Everyone wants to look after their, them, themselves first and then their country second probably. So, yeah, it obviously depends. You just never know what's going to happen when you come out of that swim. Yeah. It's pretty rough and you can get separated or good swimmers can have bad swims because of bad positioning. So, yeah, I said every, every race is so different. So it just sort of depends on what happens in the day. That's triathlete Kate McElroy talking to Richard Wayne. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Until next time, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.